Content is about connecting with your audience and showing them who you are as a brand. That's the way that I normally look at content when I'm making an assessment on if a piece of content is a strong piece of content. It's firstly, does it represent your brand? So is it encapsulating everything that your brand is about? And that's not just brand colors, it's the brand tone, it's the messaging that you're trying to communicate, it's the way that you're representing that message. And then is it going to appeal to and connect with your audience and show them who you are, show them how you can help them, the value and who you are. And a piece of content that sits between those two is normally a really powerful piece of content. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I'm really excited to bring to you a beautiful young woman. Bronte Cresswell is an experienced digital marketer and organic social media specialist. With 10 years experience in the industry, she has worked with hundreds of business owners nationally and internationally. In 2018, she launched a digital marketing agency, which grew to be highly successful before she sold it in 2022 to focus on training with her brand Dash Academy. She now trains national companies, in-house marketers, and small business owners in their organic social media strategy. Through this, she has built a name as a powerful young businesswoman, being named the 2022 Sunshine Coast Young Businesswoman of the Year, and she was named in the 30 Under 30 of the Sunshine Coast. It is She is a regular guest lecturer at the University of the Sunshine Coast and is a current active executive member of the Sunshine Coast Young Chamber of Commerce. This superpower is stunning. She has a beautiful heart. I cannot wait to share her with you. But as you'll learn, she too took herself down the self-destructive path of burnout. And I think you'll really appreciate her insights into ensuring you don't follow the same pathway. I cannot wait to hear what you think of her, her beautiful comments, her insights, her profoundness. You're going to love. If you want to share any comments or feedback, please head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28. You can go on over to Kim Morrison Training on Facebook. You can also head to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Please keep sharing this beautiful messages of beautiful people on all platforms. It means the world to me, as does your five-star rating. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to acknowledge 28 Essentials as the sponsor and also let you know that our essential self-care weekend is coming up in August and October. Head on over to 20, the word 20, the number eight.com. Under events, you'll find all the information for those amazing live events, plus the Essential Self Mastery online program, a 15-week program, uh, starts at the end of August. And if you'd like to be a specially selected soul to be in that program, specifically coach personally with me over 15 weeks leading into Christmas, then to reach out at info at kimmorrison.com. That's info at kimmorrison.com. Take care, have a fantastic week and enjoy today's show with the amazing Bronte Creswell. As you know, it is my absolute pleasure and delight each week to interview a beautiful soul, someone who really resonates and has perhaps experienced the importance of what it means to care for and love for oneself. And this week, we have a remarkable young woman, beautiful Bronte Cresswell. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, darling. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. 
Well, a beautiful mutual friend, the gorgeous Jeanette Allen-Hill, recommended I interviewed you. And once I got to see who you are and what you're about, I can absolutely see why. But before we go into all of the things that you're doing in your life right now, perhaps you could take us back a bit where you grew up. What kind of created you to find a bond and a love for where you're at right now? Absolutely. So I um, I actually grew up in a little country town called Warwick. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. It's um, about three and a half hours inland. So um, people are often surprised to find that, yeah, I grew up on a farm and did the very country thing for the first 12 years of my life, which was so much fun. I absolutely adored my childhood. It was, you know, filled with going to feed the cows and taking the dogs for walks up the dirt road. And that was, yeah, pretty much all I knew uh, until I was about, yeah, 12 to 15 when we moved up to the Sunshine Coast and uh, been up here since and absolutely love the Sunshine Coast. I can't really see myself going anywhere else but here, I think, which is really interesting because I always thought I would live in a whole heap of different areas. But yeah, when you live here, you realize how absolutely incredible it is. And even to have the opportunity to sort of build my career here has been um, incredible. So I'm 28 now. So I've had, um, yeah, about 10 years of building my career here. And it's just like, there's just such an incredible network here, so many incredible people, uh, so much support, even, you know, today in Jeanette recommending me. So, um, yeah, that's been a little bit of like the start of the journey to getting into where I am now. I think, um yeah, built so many amazing friends here as well. So it's just a really, really good support network to build what I'm doing. I think often I get asked how I sort of started to build up what um, I've got going as a personal brand in a business. And it definitely, definitely starts with the community here on the coast. Well, that's something that every Sunshine Coast guest I have on here says, and I think we all have the same belief and values around raising one another, championing one another, and certainly supporting one another from all different walks of life ages and stages in our lives uh, and also different careers and I think that's what makes the coast such a special unique place but I'm curious to know like I appreciate you're young and I appreciate that digital technology has probably almost been around since you were born and I'm just interested in how you got into becoming a digital marketer like is that something as a young girl you went I want to do that when you're on the farm or like how did you get to that place? (laughs) Absolutely not. No, I so I went to high school up here on the coast and um, did, I've always been really career driven. That's absolutely something when I look back, I know that I always had because I remember going to the career counsellor all the time uh, when I was at school. And I remember them always saying to me, which now I look back, I understand more, but at the time felt very Um, easy on their part. They used to just say to me, you know, I would go in and say, I've got this great idea. I'm going to do this. And they would say, okay, go away and research it. Come back to me in a week. Tell me if you still want to do it. And I'd always be like, oh, it's not very good career advice, but I would go away, research it, realize I didn't want to do it, come back and have a new idea. So it does make sense why, sorry, it does make sense why that was the, um, the advice given at the time. Um, but I do, yeah, I do always remember being really focused on that. I was, uh, the Sunshine Coast Fashion Festival youth ambassador for a little while. I always tried to get involved in fashion shows. So looking back, because it's really hard to pinpoint where, uh, you know, that drive started or where my career really did start, but I do definitely know in high school, it was always a focus of me, um, figuring out what I wanted to do. 
And then when I graduated school, I actually started started studying um, public relations, mostly because I thought, you know, the whole publicist scene was amazing and I wanted to do great big PR campaigns and that marketing side of the industry just seemed so cool. I'd love to be behind the scenes of an industry, which is why I really liked. I did a lot of behind the scenes of fashion shows when I was in high school, as well as uh, a model dresser and things like that. So I sort of figured out early on that I liked the behind the scenes, but being a driving force and the success of something. So um, I did university studying PR. And while I was there, I actually was running the social media for a venue on the Sunshine Coast. So that was sort of how I really fell into it. There was a person above me who was working in the space. They were doing quite a big role uh, managing artists and bookings and a promoter's team and all of these really big, uh, almost scary parts of their role. And I was just supporting them while I was at uni doing basically little admin tasks. And when they left that role, I had the manager um, of this business approach me and say, hey, we actually want to put you into this position where you are managing all the socials, you're doing all the marketing. Um, It's actually quite a lot of responsibility and the success of the um, venue, but we, you know, want to put you there. And I was 19 at the time. sorry, a bit of a tickle. Um, I was 19 at the time and it felt so big, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see what I can do with this. Um, I'm going to take it on, figure out social media because public relations is actually really different to social media. Some of the core values of it um, do align, but in terms of actual management, I definitely basically taught myself that side of it. I really noted down everything that was working for the venue, uh, listed out what type of content worked, what posting style worked, um, when I should post, what kind of content got the most engagement. And from there, I developed this real love for it because I realized how impactful it could be when you did it correctly, how much power there is in a strong social media approach. Um, And so when I finished my degree in public relations, I ended up leaving that venue that I was working for and went and got a role at a digital marketing agency on the coast. So I didn't really know where to go after that. I just thought, okay, at least a, at least a marketing agency, I can sort of hit that PR side that I've just studied for three years for, but also get a little bit more of that social media digital marketing side. Because you know, when you're a fresh grad, you have no idea what the real world looks like when it comes to the industry. I, I remember that feeling so much when people would say like, where do you want to go after uni? And it's like, you just don't even know what the possibilities are. It's kind of whatever job you land when you apply to like the hundred that you have to apply to after you finish your degree. And I think that that can really um, shape where you end up going with your career as well. So I was lucky enough to get that position. And then I was there for 12 months, which was amazing. I had a great time working in that agency, learned so much. But after, yeah, that year, I sort of felt that little tickle of, I feel like I want to see if I can do something myself, um, see if I can sort of launch out. And the whole purpose of me doing that was never to build, you know, a big business or anything like that. It was literally just to give myself a chance to see if I could create something. Uh, And my whole thing that I told myself was if I quit now and I get a job or I quit now and try to get a job in six months time after testing out this little project, 
the biggest things that will change is a dent in my savings and a dent into my confidence. Um, but essentially, you know, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still just trying to get a job at some point. So I thought, I like those odds. I'm just going to launch in, see what I can do, see if I can create something. Um, started freelancing and then, yeah, fairly quickly it evolved into a digital marketing agency. So it kind of it, like ending up here and being in this industry for 10 years now was sort of intentional, but at the time felt very um, like I didn't know that's where I was going, but it has led me down that path um, more and more with each opportunity that I've had, if that kind of makes sense. Oh, it does. And I, what I'm hearing is just even from back at high school, being very career oriented, it may not have been that you knew exactly what you wanted, but the fact that you were driven to get something, I think is where we sometimes underestimate the power of manifesting without the detail and the knowing of how to. It's just important we keep our focus and drive on something will come. And I think the word that I heard you mention a couple of times there is organic. And if only we could just allow ourselves, particularly as we get older, to trust the process mm. and to allow the organic involvement evolvement of whatever it is we're working towards. But I will say the older we get, there seems to be more responsibilities, especially once children and family and houses and mortgages and all of those things come along. And perhaps as we age, we get a little bit more scared or fearful of getting it wrong rather than trusting the process. At 28 years of age, would you say that it's still and you feel in your heart then understanding the way your career has gone that trusting that organic process or perhaps being mindful of it as you age and maybe move into motherhood and all of the different roles that you'll play, is that something that you've noticed with yourself could be one of your key factors as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's when I get asked, you know, how do you think you ended up here or what's your secret to being successful and everything, it all feels very um, like strange, I guess. Like it doesn't, I don't really align with that um, approach or I'm always like, I, I don't really know how to answer that because I don't feel like I've done anything wildly out of the scope of what everyone else could do. It's It really is just like you said, trusting that process and being hungry for my next steps, but being open to what those next steps could look like. Because, you know, I've always had some sort of direction in my head, but in terms of, you know, looking at what I have accomplished or I've done, it's definitely not about um, me having that pre-planned and me going, oh, in one year, I'm going to do this. In two years, I'll do this. And in three years, I'll do that. And this is my wish list of things I want to accomplish in my career. It's very much just being, um, knowing that I want to find that success and what that means for me. And knowing that I want to show up as my best self in my career at all times, uh, but being open to what that looks like and the fact that that will shift over time and that will shift as I go through my career. And I think that's one of the things that when I look at young people um, with their career now, I think the biggest difference that I see in people who are um, finding that success and people who are just sort of, you know, still really struggling with it or not really putting too much effort into it or not aligning with where they really want to be is it's those who take full responsibility for their career being for them are the ones that I really, really do see thrive. So, if you're in a workspace and you're seeing your employer and, you know, you're showing up just for them and that they should appreciate your being there and 
um, you know, the work that you're putting in is simply based on your job description and what you're putting in it for that person versus showing up for yourself and knowing that every single opportunity, every space you're in, if it's unpaid or it's paid or it's an internship or it's a random opportunity that you are doing to better your career and better yourself and push yourself, it kind of makes you take so much more ownership of each um, yeah, situation that you're in. You take so much more pride in it because you see I'm not showing up just for an em- employer or because someone is here and I'm doing almost the bare minimum and really being guided by what um, they want me to do. It's about really taking that pride in this is my career. This is my life. This is who I am as a person. I'm going to embrace every single thing that comes my way and be really consistent in showing up in a standard that I'm going to have throughout my entire career, whatever that looks like. Um, that's really something that I I do see coming through in young people now. And I think it's, yeah, it's really, really going to show in their career as they kind of get further into it. I think there's a real shift lately, which I've noticed, and I even noticed it this morning. I was talking to a lady who was changing her career. She's 26. She's changing careers from beauty therapy into an office admin job. And I said, oh, someone will replace you quite easily. And she said, oh, actually, no, not many people want to work. And I heard that and I thought, gosh, was this a COVID overlap or overlay where people realized they didn't have to work because they got the government handout perhaps? Or have you noticed there's a real desire still for young and different age people to want to work? Or have you seen a shift as well and people, you know, yeah, I'll work if I have to, but don't really want to. What have you noticed? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely like that. And I think that's why um, the people who are really taking control of their own careers and taking that on as their responsibility and what lights them up and them pushing themselves, why that feels so um, like prominent because there is such a theme at the moment of people just not really wanting to work. And I think that's partially just not really finding the right things for themselves, but they're not committing to the process of finding the right things for them as well. And not seeing that that is actually a process. Very few of us um, get handed something that is everything that we want to do for our life. Usually we have to go through some testing and trialing as I did in my early days to figure out what it is that I actually really want to do and what that looks like as a role. So absolutely. I think that social media also, as much as it's a space I work in for business, um, unfortunately, I think on a personal level for many young people, because we see so many that show up on, uh, you know, things like influencers and content creators, and as much as those are industries I do really, really respect and I do have a lot of love for, uh, I think it's very easy for others to look at that and see, oh, they're not really working, but they're making all this money. Uh, and then feeling like them showing up to work for a nine to five isn't worthy enough or they shouldn't have to do that or it's not going to get them closer to those goals. So I don't think it's necessarily, and, and that is very broad. I think that I'm seeing that absolutely very, very widespread in majority of people that I sort of speak to um, in that younger age bracket. And the way that I see it is not necessarily in a really negative way though. It's not that I think you know, we should just take it as like, oh, they're just lazy and they're not seeing what the workspace is. I definitely think, like I said, you need to take control of your career. But I do think that we're probably just going to see a shift in the way that um, we do work and whether it's many more people working for themselves and contracting as part of brands and taking um, on work in that way, I guess, rather than working in house places or working for people because that way they can have 
that control. But I definitely think that this mindset that we're seeing is going to shift industries quite heavily. It's just sort of waiting to see what that shift actually looks like because obviously we can't just have whole generations not really showing up to do the work. And I don't think that's what's going to happen. I just think that at this stage they are questioning the way things are normally done. Uh, And then through that, hopefully we will see them start to develop ways that, you know, we could maybe do this more efficiently or do this in ways that allows them to tap into those bigger dreams, but still, you know, obviously keep economies and industries moving. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I really appreciate your insight. And I think it's something really mindful. We need to uh, be aware that there is often that, like you said, and people not really knowing what it is that they want to do. But what I loved about what you said there, though, was you've got to be committed to the process on finding that. And I think too many times we sit back with that, I would need it to come to me rather than being proactive and realizing it could take one, two, three, five, ten 10 attempts or 10 different jobs or places till you find that happy spot. But I, I want to go into social media now because even when you were born 28 years ago, there was no such thing. And I often look at young babies, even my little two-year, three-year-old nephew and five-year-old niece, and I look at them and I think, I wonder what careers will be around when they're working in the next two decades, because there's jobs that haven't even been created yet that will be by the time they get there. Do you think that the way we're evolving and your interest in seeing the diversity of social media, it's not just a platform now for people to vent or to say their own things, but it's become a real working economic process. In your opinion, do you see anything more coming or do you see it getting bigger or better or other platforms? How are you noticing these changes? Absolutely. It's I think the the pace that uh, that world is changing is only going to get much more rapid. And uh, like even when I started in social media, so when I launched my business, it was five years ago. And so many people even then were sort of saying to me like, oh, what are you going to do if um, like the industry changes and your role's no longer relevant or, you know, that platform gets shut down? And I think, again, it's one of those things that's like, it's okay for an industry to change. It's definitely up to me to make sure that my purpose is bigger than just a platform. So if I'm saying my purpose is to support small businesses growing online, I do know that I will always be able to support them. And I do know there will always be a space online. So being open to the fact that the way that looks may shift. Um, Even if you look at Facebook, for instance, so it was massive 10 years ago for businesses, that was pretty much the key platform that anyone would do anything on. And now that's shifted and it's not necessarily um, dropped. It's just shifted more towards a slightly older demographic. It's used in different ways. And it's just being open to knowing that those shifts are coming. It's not like an industry where once you've learned it, you are pretty set in that. And then it's just building experience. It's definitely an industry that I've got to be aware that it's my responsibility to constantly be Um, across updates, across the shifts with it. But that is part of me going into this industry. I knew that was going to happen. I knew it wouldn't be something that I could sit back at any point and still call myself an expert without, um, you know, remaining on top of it. But, you know, we've got AI coming in um, at the moment with things like ChatGPT, which is huge. And I'm seeing a lot of people talk about the fact that that is going to break a lot of industries because you can essentially type anything in and it's going to spit out the answer. Um, I was just using it yesterday. I said, 
you know, can you write me an email series for um, agency partners? This is my offer. This is what they need to understand. And it sent me out eight really well-written emails that I can then use in my marketing. And that's something that, yeah, I get all the time people saying like, oh, aren't you scared that as a marketer, things like that are going to take your position. But I think, yeah, as I said, as long as you're open and aware of shifting with those changes, knowing how to tap into them, if my focus is always, how can I support small businesses? I'm not going to shy away from those developments. I'm going to look at the ways I can tap into them. Like it's incredible technology. Um, And it shouldn't be something that I'm seeing as the enemy. It should be something that I'm seeing as how can I embrace this and make it part of everything that I'm doing and make my offering more powerful, which is absolutely what I'm in the process of doing at the moment. So I think the idea that there will be so many industries and professions uh, when your kids do get a little bit older that they will have access to is great because it does also broaden that spectrum of what um you know what drives them what excites them what are their interests there's now so many more ways that you can tap into those so if art is an interest now there's so many digital art um avenues that you can take as well so i think it's exciting it's definitely it's definitely big shifts but they're shifts that just don't necessarily scare me they sort of excite me and um yeah as long as you're prepared to keep up with them and keep across them and look for the opportunities they present i don't think it should feel scary well, at my age, some of it sounds very scary, I can assure you, but I'm also really excited by it. And it is something that really intrigues me. And I love the instant interrelationships and connections. And just even last week, I was down in Brisbane at a function, um, a big uh, international author was speaking, and I just ran into so many people that, you know, they had known me on Facebook, and I hadn't met them. And it just created this beautiful ability for us to connect. And I love that side of it, that the world is bigger. But I wanted to ask you then, let's let's talk shop. Like what are the best platforms at the moment? Not only for young, you know, not for just small businesses, but any business. What's what's working for you in your mindset? So the way that I see social media is, um, and I've spoken on this actually, uh, I did an event recently and I went through this and it was a room um, full of business women. And I didn't know what to talk about when it came to social media, because the whole room was filled with women of all different levels and businesses. And, um, you know, I knew if I mentioned some social media terms to some of them, they would know what it meant. Others would have no idea. And I didn't want to lose the room. So I went, okay, what's going to be most valuable? And it's really talking about the mindset around social media. So, I think a lot of people forget that social media is 100% a business platform and it needs to be viewed as that from a business perspective. So when you look at platforms, it's about doing the assessment of, okay, well, where is my business best suited? Where is my audience? When I create content, what is going to resonate most with that audience? Uh, What is my goal from showing up on social media? And it's got to be aligned with the business goals. It can't just be to get followers. Because when I have clients say, oh, I just want to get 10,000 followers. I'm like, why? You know what? And they often can't answer that. They're like, oh, well, you know, to have a bigger brand. And it's like, but why? This is a business platform. We've always got to be looking at it from how it's feeding into the business and how it's growing the business and how it's getting closer to those business goals. So when I look at strategy and I look at the best way for a brand to show up, It's always about asking those really in-depth questions about that unique business um, and then making sure that, yeah, the platforms and the placements and the content style and the posting frequency and all the rest of it 
really aligns with what that business actually wants to achieve. So um, yeah, in terms of platforms, it would definitely be to have a look at what audience it is that you want to connect with, having a look at what audiences are on there and what types of content that you can produce to see uh, where would be best to communicate those messages. That's all very good and well, and I completely hear you, and I'm trying to understand this from the perspective of I probably look at where I like to hang out, and one of my favorites is Instagram. I love the fact that a picture tells a thousand words. I love the interrelationship. I love the reels. I love the, I don't know, it just seems to have gone so quick, and then all of a sudden, just as I'm getting the hang of Instagram, in comes this thing called TikTok, which my kids love, my adult kids. And it's like real quick, 10 second, like some, I just like, I'm going, holy heck, everyone wants it quicker, faster, stronger, better. And I'm like, jeepers, we're just catching up with Instagram. So I probably sound very old, but I'm just asking you then, there was a lot of controversy around TikTok and there's a lot of problems that seem to be associated, I guess, with all the different various platforms. But, you know, they change and come and go so quickly. Mm-hmm. But Instagram and Facebook seem to have hung around and now this TikTok is there. Is that the case? And if so, have you noticed there's any other things coming in? Yeah, absolutely. And whenever there is a new platform that sort of hits the scene, everyone does seem to um, freak out and get really excited by it. And in the last five years, even I've seen probably six or seven platforms come in that have initially been super celebrated and everyone's gone, I've got to get on this platform. Apparently it's the new thing. And then they sort of fizzle out and it's not really that important. And, um, you know, TikTok obviously doesn't really fall into that category. It came along and everyone got really hype about it. And I was very curious to see if it was one of those ones that sort of has its um, five minutes of fame and then falls to the side. But no, TikTok stayed really strong with that. And I think it is just based on that content style. It's the fact that we do have such short attention spans now and TikTok really plays into that. It's the fact that you can consume thousands of pieces of content in an hour just by the flick of your thumb. You don't even have to move anything else. And um, it's short form video. The algorithm is extremely strong. So it's feeding you content that it knows is going to keep you on that app. Um, But when you're making that assessment of if TikTok is right for you, again, it's looking at who am I actually trying to connect with? So we know TikTok is much more the younger generation. Is that your audience that you want to connect with? Then it's a matter of, okay, do I have the abilities to create content that is actually going to be powerful on this platform? Um, You know, am I willing to create that really short form snappy content? Am I willing to show up daily in order to build my audience on there? If those answers are no, then it's like, okay, well, what platforms can I utilize my natural skills, talk about my brand, the content style that I want to create, and do that authentically and consistently. And then that's why often Instagram and Facebook are the platforms for that because they are less specific in the content approach that you have to take. I think when it comes to looking at it from a broad sense as well, it's really content is about connecting with your audience and showing them uh, who you are as a brand. That's the way that I normally look at content when I'm making an assessment on if a piece of content is a strong piece of content. It's Firstly, does it represent your brand? So is it, you know, encapsulating everything that your brand is about? And that's not just brand colors, it's the brand tone, it's the messaging that you're trying to communicate, it's the way that you're representing that message. And then is it going to appeal to and connect with your audience and, you know, show them who you are, show them how you can help them, the value and who you are. 
Um, and a piece of content that sits between those two is normally a really powerful piece of content. So when people are looking at social media and feeling really stressed, overwhelmed, intimidated, which I so know happens to so many business owners, what I ask them to normally do is to take a step back from that, forget about hashtags, forget about optimization, forget about all those little things that um, you know, make it feel really scary and really overwhelming and just focus on creating content that is going to talk to your audience. From there, you can build that up into, you know, optimizing it further then and looking at the algorithm and all the rest of it. But most don't even start there. They just get so overwhelmed by everything that it feels too much and that they don't end up really doing anything with their social media. So I normally tell them to forget um Forget everyone else on the platform and just create content for that one person that you know you want to connect with. Pretend that you're talking to that person. Uh, pretend you've got that person in a room. What are the things that you want to say to them? What's going to help them? What's going to help them understand your brand and focus on creating that content? That's pretty powerful. So what do you want to say to them? How do you want to help them? And how do you want them to help to understand your brand? They're pretty key, uh, significant things to think about as we post. I mean, for me personally, I use social media always as a just my own personal digital diary. It was never about trying to get followers or trying to, I didn't care who was looking at it. It was just my favorite way of putting my favorite photos and a little bit of a story. And I love the memories when they come up. And then I started to notice, I had a couple of people, this was the funniest thing. She said to me, Kim, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to do a quick 30-second video. People want to see what you're doing. I went, they don't want to see what I'm doing. She said, they want to see what you're doing. Where are you? And I said, well, I'm at my son's flat in Brisbane. And she goes, all right, I'm going to give you one hour to put something up, do a quick video. I thought, oh, my Lord. So anyway, I was there. I had my Keep It Clean drops, our beautiful drops that really do clean the floors and shelves and everything so beautifully. And I put the tissues down on the floor and I was just doing this ridiculous thing, holding the camera, just going, well, this is what happens when you have to come to your son's flat. You end up cleaning. And I was doing the whole thing about keeping it clean. Just had the biggest joke, put it up. I've never had so many so many um, clicks and, and followers and questions. And apparently we, we spiked in selling Keep It Clean drops that day. And I got so freaked out by it, Bronte, that I, I actually didn't do it again. I was like, I don't, I don't even know what I did. How do I repeat that? And also worried about making such a fool of yourself. And yet I'm happy to make a fool of myself on stage. So what's the difference between live being on stage or someone that speaks publicly to actually doing it into a camera and realizing that people still get the same connection? Talk to me about that. Absolutely. And it like that doesn't surprise me at all that that's what people responded to because it's showing you authentically. And the biggest thing that you want to do, not even just on social media or with marketing, but with, you know, business and life in, in general is to build trust with people. That is 99% of everything that we're trying to accomplish is for people to see you authentically and have trust with you, you know, in your profession or as a person in general. So, by being authentic, and I know that's a really overused word in this space, but, um, you know, by not thinking so, you know, how can I curate the perfect feed or the perfect content or really try and make the, every single thing that I'm creating so aligned with, you know, my business, um, it does, it breaks down those barriers for people and they can see you're a real person and you do clean and, you know, that's what your son's flat looks like and um, they can relate to that and that's what sparks those conversations. And, for me, that is really where those authentic relationships are built because I know that when social media first started, so many people were like, oh, you can't create real relationships on social media. Like you need to, 
meet people in person. It's the only way to create it. And I think things like that really show that that's not the case. You can absolutely get to know people um, through these online platforms, which just broadens the people that you can connect with and help. So that doesn't surprise me. And I think that the reason that, um, yeah, it can feel, it, it's just it's just a barrier in terms of when you're in front of people, you can feel their energy, you can see their faces. When you're doing it by yourself, it can feel really silly almost because you're in a room alone, for instance, and you're talking to a camera screen. So you're talking to a little piece of, you know, black technology in your hand and you're trying to make that feel like you're talking to people. But it really just comes down to um, you know, the more you do that and the more you realize that people are responding to that on the other side, it's really just slightly delayed based on when they're seeing it. It's actually the same thing. And this is why influencers um, are so successful in what they do. And like I said, I do have a lot of respect for that industry. I think it gets a terrible rap, but it's actually a very, very powerful uh, industry is because they do share so much about themselves and people feel like they know them. So, you know, they show um, what their sort of day-to-day looks like. And so people get to know their routine. They get to know their coffee preference. They get to know their food preference. They get to know their friends. They get to know, you know, what they like, what they don't like, what they're listening to. And so regardless, it does make them feel like they have a genuine relationship with this person and they feel ownership over that person as well. It's, you know, almost like celebrities in that way that you feel like you understand them so deeply that you do genuinely feel like there is an actual relationship there with that person. And then if you complement that by um, with yourself, I'm sure you go through and you respond to all those people and you apply to them and you have conversations with them, you're still introducing that two-way communication and conversation, which does actually make it an authentic relationship. So really all you're doing by doing that is <laughs> building um, building relationships, which yeah, is, it makes it a lot easier to understand why you get that sort of impact. Well, I have to say this to you as well. I've noticed, you know, the number of likes on different posts. And I am going to come back to this, Bronte, because I just think it's so bizarre. I'm 55. I have a stunning daughter, very good looking daughter and good looking son, and they've got good, gorgeous partners. If I post something where I'm with my son and daughter or my husband, or if I post something like me in my bathers or me at the gym or showing a little bit more skin or things like that, That gets treble the number of likes as opposed to a recipe or a beautiful picture in nature or something like that. Why are we still attracted to the beauty or the, um, I don't know, we want to see what people look like a little bit more raw and naked almost. I, I say that with love and respect, but you know what I'm saying? Why is that so liked? Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to have a look um through it and see what those like insights actually are because this is a, a general part of any kind of social media strategy is posting different kinds of content and seeing what the audience responds to trying to pull apart why it is that they're responding to that and then using that to guide the strategy i think any content that includes a person uh always gets more traction than a picture of um yeah food or a setup or a product um simply because there is that connection there as well that's you know, marketing at its core is that people will connect with people. So it could be that. I mean, I think seeing, um, you know, photos of a little bit more skin is probably just human nature as well, that it does catch the eye a little bit more. And a big part of a social media strategy, and I'm not saying that you should continue, you know, to do that or tap into that, but 
Um, a big part of what we're trying to achieve when it comes to content beyond the message that we're communicating and just, you know, authentic connection is to break through social noise. So social noise is when you open any uh, app or platform and there's just content everywhere, there's statuses and posts and videos and ads and messages and replies and reacts, everything that is there is social noise and it's it's so overwhelming So content that breaks through that when someone is scrolling and they're just consuming a million pieces of information at once, any piece of content that captures that eye for a second and makes them stop scrolling for a moment is content that is breaking through that social noise to actually get them to pay attention to it. So it kind of probably makes sense as to why. Um, If you've got something that maybe people aren't expecting to see from your page or is unusual in, you know, versus the the standard type of content that you're posting, um, I would say that's why you're breaking through that and then they're, you know, more likely to engage with it. Well, I guess it makes sense. And I think people also like to see the real you. That's also what I've noticed, the wobbly bits and the real bits and the beautiful bits. And that's something that I love to encourage people to share Uh, There's so many terms, SEO, logarithms, clickbait, viral videos, micro something or others, vlogging, hashtags, optimization. Like there's just so many words that were never even around when I was even at high school. Um, Is it important for us to understand all these terms or do you think it's more important we get someone like you, and I'm speaking on behalf of all business owners listening to this, is it more important we get someone with you like you that has the direction, the insight, the knowledge and the quick ability to get to the, the core of what it is that we need or do we need to pay attention to all these words, terms and ideas? See, yeah, no, I think um, it's a great question because it's, like I said, I so know that it feels so incredibly overwhelming to be a business owner. And as much as it might feel like you're expected to be across all of this, you're absolutely not. Like when I owned the agency, I had so many people come in and, you know, the first thing that they almost blurted out of their mouth at me was, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know anything about market. I don't know, you know, if my website's set up, I don't know about my social page. And I would go through and their social page looked great. You know, they're consistent. They had good posts going up. Website looked fine. You know, I would mention, yeah, SEO. They'd be like, I don't know what SEO is. And it was like they were almost so embarrassed that they didn't know these things or they felt so much pressure that they should know these things or they should be across it. And I just want to give you confidence that you are, you should not have to be across any of this. You are in a space where you're showing up for your business. That should be where your focus is. And it should be about your clients, your product, Um, you know, the standard of that, the way that you want to be positioned in an industry, all of that really should be where your focus is. If it interests you, of course, you can, you know, explore it a little bit, but there's no um, expectation on you to somehow be an expert. That's why we have experts in different spaces. So if you are listening to this and you think, I know absolutely nothing about it, that is totally fine. It is not a space that you're in Um, And just because you're in business, it does not mean that all of a sudden you need to have, you know, a degree and all this understanding in the marketing space. Now, it is a different industry. So when it comes to the way to get support with that, there's really two sort of options. And so when I had the agency that was, uh, you know, very much doing social media for brands. So I would do campaigns, I would do their email marketing, I would do their content creation, I would do their posting And now I train people in how to do that. So I teach them how to do it themselves. Uh, But even when I had the agency, I was still training people in how to do their own social media. And I used to get asked all the time, 
you know, why do you have an agency where you uh, do it for people but also teach others how to do it? Like aren't they two conflicting offerings and, you know, how do they sort of align? Um, wouldn't most people just learn? And the thing is it's it's very much dependent on where you're at in business, what your structure is, um, how much you want to invest in something like this, what your resources are, if you like social media or you don't like to do it, if it's yeah something that you're excited by but you just really need guidance or it's something that you would rather and it's worth it for you to just hand over to someone else. And really thinking about that is what's going to tell you what the best direction is. So, for instance, a lot of small businesses that are starting up used to come to me and say, oh, I'm just going to outsource my organic social media to you because I don't know what I'm doing. And I would say, firstly, it's not actually going to be a good spend if your initial budget. I know startup brands normally have a very small allocation initially, and I, I never wanted to take that money from them for something that I knew they could do themselves. I knew as a startup, you know, you normally start off with quite a bit of time and not a lot of money. And then as you build up, that switches um, and you have less time, but you have more money. And that's the stage that I would recommend they outsourced it. But initially, I would always say, let's teach you how to do it yourself. It's empowering in itself that you, when you are ready to outsource, you know exactly what it is that you're doing. You're not just letting someone run with whatever their thoughts are. Um, it is your business. So understanding it can be a really good thing when you're ready to do so. So it's just an assessment on whether training is um, needed or outsourcing it to a freelance uh, or an agency. But yeah, it's definitely going to depend on the business, which avenue is the best. That's such powerful tips. Well, we know that you have gone not only from owning your own agency to now teaching people how to do this. You've also, as I mentioned in the intro, you are one of the top 30 under 30 uh, young business entrepreneurs of the year here on the sunny coast. Plus you won uh, the Sunshine Coast Businesswoman's Network Young Businesswoman of the Year. So I just, I would love to know a little bit more about, uh, and also working with the Sunshine Coast Young Chamber of Commerce, I'd love to know what it means and how much it excites you to see this industry flourishing, growing, adapting, changing and expanding. And knowing you've won these awards, you're obviously very good at what you do. Did that make you feel good and inspire you to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I feel so excited to be involved in the um, areas of the Sunshine Coast that I'm involved in. So the Young Chamber of Commerce, I absolutely um, adore. I've got a great team that I'm part of there. And we really started that just to support the younger generation on the Sunshine Coast that we knew there was so much power there and so many incredible future leaders. Um, so to have the ability to pull all of them together has been really, really exciting. And, you know, getting um, some of those titles and awards that I've received in the last 12 months has been so crazy because I think for me um, it started out to be like when I first won the the business women's award I was so surprised and so like shocked and I know everyone always says that when they get these kinds of awards but I think for me it was more so because at the time I was going through a huge amount of burnout, but I was also getting to the point where I was ready to sell the business that I was getting these awards for and getting these announcements for and titles. And it was such a weird moment to kind of have all of that happening at the same time that I was looking to to transition out of that and focus on the training side of things. So um, when I was experiencing that burnout and when I was experiencing you know, looking to sell and to start that process and to look through it all, 
um, there was probably feelings for me of not failure, but really questioning what that actually meant for me and why I was feeling like that. And if it was a good thing or a bad thing or how it was going to be perceived. And I think I was so deep in those thoughts and so, you know, not sure what I should be doing or focusing on that when I started getting those um, titles and I won that award, it was like, it felt like the universe or the community um, was really saying to me, like, hey, you have done an incredible job. We recognize everything that you have done leading up to this moment. Um, This is our, you know, clap to you. It's the pat on the back to you. It's the validation that you probably need that everything you've done until now has been worth it. And you can move into the next chapter comfortably. And I think people are often kind of surprised by that because they think that my journey at the at the time was really different and I was just soaking up all these accomplishments and, you know, expecting them. And that's where I was, uh, like, where my mentality was at. And it's just, it just really wasn't at the time. So after I won the award um, and I had some of that, I actually took like three months off life in general, pretty much. I, I turned into a complete permit. I didn't go to social events. I canceled all of these things that I had committed to. And I really started afresh this year um, at the start of the year where I dove into, yeah, getting back out there and um, connecting with people again and pushing the side of the business. So yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was very, very powerful for me. Um, but yeah, probably just not in the way that people expected it to be. <laughs> oh, but thanks for your honesty, because I did want to touch on this thing of burnout and every successful entrepreneur or successful human full stop, uh, whether they're a stay-at-home mom or whether they have, are at uni, whatever stage or phase they're at, um, unless we really are mindful of how much we're putting out there and noticing what we're not taking in, there is that definite uh, probability of burnout. I'm wondering if you could just talk to us. Of course, you said you took three months off and maybe not everybody has that um, luxury. I'll call it a luxury only because, um, you know, some people, they can't be uh, go off being a parent for three months or they can't stop their job because it is what's paying the bills. But I'm curious to understand then from your perspective, burnout, what would you say to an older person maybe heading down that pathway? And even how would you talk to the younger people coming through, maybe not to avoid it altogether, but certainly to be mindful of it and how to avoid it if it's at all possible? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's it's a hard one because I think burnout for me, like I I knew that I was burnt out and I knew that I was sort of feeling that way. But at the start, it just really felt like, you know, exhaustion and I was very drained and getting up in the morning started to feel harder and harder, which were things I hadn't really experienced. So for me, I registered that and I was like, okay, I think I'm sort of getting towards burnout. Um, and then life did what life likes to do sometimes and through just huge hurdles at me and um, some really big things until I I hit the point and, you know, I was trying to sell the business and I had it, the initial sale fall through and I was having staffing issues and things in my personal life. And it was just funny. It was like the second I recognized that I was feeling drained, it all kind of kicked off. And I think that there's obviously, you know, bigger reason for that in um, universal terms in terms of what I needed at the time. But I just remember feeling so just like, not sorry for myself, but like, how could this all be happening to me right now? This is the last thing I need. And if I ever thought my battery had been drained, this was drained tenfold. So it was like, you know, if I was used to being at 0%, sometimes I was at negative 500 at this point. And 
I remember one day when it really hit me that I was like, okay, this is like, I, I'm really burnt out. I was driving home from work and it was, you know, I was trying to get the sale through and there was just a million things happening and I was driving home and I just started crying so, so much. Like I remember sitting at lights and I had to quickly chuck sunglasses on because I was like, if anyone around me looks in my car, they're going to be like, what is that girl going through? It was like, it was just like floodgates. And I I couldn't even actually pinpoint why. And it was the weirdest experience because I'd never felt something like that before. I'd always, you know, if I was upset, I knew I was upset. I knew where it was coming from, but in that moment, it was just like, I could not stop myself. I even got home, ran a bath and I just, yeah, I continued in that space for like three hours. And that was really what made me recognize that like, okay, I need to make some serious changes now. Cause I've never felt like this before. I've never felt so depleted and out of energy and out of being able to give anything. And I would love, you know, no one else to ever hit that point because I definitely ignored um, my own head telling me that I should have pulled back on things sooner. But I think we always get that mentality of like, oh, if we just get through this thing or if we just get there or we just get over um, that hump or if I just get through this week or this month or this year, um, then I can give myself some rest. And it just unfortunately doesn't work that way. It's got to be something that we introduce to our life consistently. And that is really the only way um, to overcome it. So for me, I think the two major lessons that I took from hitting that level of burnout is firstly to really take it seriously. And since experiencing that, I've spoken to so many people who also um, are definitely burnt out. And it's the weirdest thing. I don't know where it comes from, but where you feel really burnt out, but there's still this desire to just you know, you're burnt out and you're saying to people, I'm really burnt out. I, I, you know, I'm really stressed about the way I feel like this does not feel normal, but then you somehow just get up the next day and run your day. Like it's normal and put the smiling face on and go to the meetings or go to the events or whatever it is. And then you get home and you're still so burnt out. Like I need to, you know, do something about this. And it's really about stopping for a second and taking that really seriously, because it's not like a broken leg where, you are forced to stop. You have to make that decision yourself and you need to take it really seriously. Note, okay, burnout is not something that is just, um, you know, a concept and it's not just being tired. It's a really serious thing. And at the time, my partner um, said to me something that I had said to him a bunch of times the year before, but it wasn't until he said it to me that I realized the impact was, um, I was like, you know, I just, I just can't. And he was like, you need to just say no. And I was like, no, I know, but I'm, and he's like, you need to say no. And then I kind of was like, okay, I do, I actually get what you're saying. And I went through and I emailed about 10 different people cancelling events that I was, you know, meant to go to that I bought tickets to, um, cancelling meetings that weren't super crucial. It was just things I was putting out there because I thought I had to. I just cancelled anything that I was pushing myself to do that I didn't actually have to do. I was just telling myself I had to do. And you realize when you go through something like that, that at the end of the day, like everything is fine. Everything still runs normally. Um, You tell yourself these things are so crucially important. And if you don't do it, that there's going to be all these repercussions. And you realize when you do take it really seriously, you do say to yourself, "I, I simply can't, I'm going to have to choose me over everything else at this moment. Um, It is actually totally fine. And the other thing that I um, found worked really well for me is 
when I went through that three months of um, really just, you know, not doing life, just hiding away from it, which was very therapeutic for me, it was great. But as you said, not everyone has that opportunity. Um, I realized that having the ability to say yes to myself in in the way of, you know, I was saying no to everyone else, which I needed, and then saying yes to myself and switching it in that capacity was everything that I absolutely needed to do. So I realized how long I had been denying myself of what my body and my mind was asking me for. If my body said, let's stay in bed and rest, I would say, no, we have to get up early and go and do this. And if my body said, you know, I really just need a weekend to see friends, no, we have to go and do this. And it was like just constantly denying my body of what it needed. So over those three months, I really just committed like three weeks to whatever my body and mind needed in those moments, I would do. And that looked like staying in bed literally all day for a few days. It looked like getting up early other days and going to the markets. It looked like going and diving in the ocean. It looked like, you know, indulging in incredibly bad for me food some days and then making smoothies the next day. And I literally just fully gave in to whatever my body needed Um, and I think, like I said, that I had the luxury of doing that on a longer basis, but I think if you can be conscious of that in your day-to-day life, how often you're saying no to your mind and body and start to try to introduce moments where you can just say yes, and you can just allow yourself to give your body what it needs and what it wants and your mind, what it needs and what it wants that you will avoid, um, hitting that level that I hit. So that's definitely something that I'm much more conscious of now. It's like, how often am I saying no to myself in terms of what I need each week? And then when can I make sure that I am doing that each week as well? Oh, so powerful. And, you know, this really is the, the, the perfect segue into understanding that saying yes to yourself and saying no to others is the ultimate act of self-care for many of us at times. And that, of course, leads into the ultimate and most beautiful practice of all, and that is self-love. And I'd just be curious and love to know your definition of self-love. Yeah. Um, I thought about this as well when you, um, you know, mentioned it and I knew what my concept of it was, but I I hadn't actually put it into words before. So I sort of wrote it out and I was like, I'll, I'll just start writing and see where this sort of takes me into what I feel like it actually is. And for me, it is um, self-awareness aligned with um, active intention. So self-awareness is, you know, really getting to know yourself. And it actually ties into what we were sort of saying at the start that for me, you know, getting to know myself, but also getting to know all the different versions of myself and, you know, who I was when I had the agency, making sure I knew who that woman was and what drove her and how she was feeling and then who I am now and what that looks like. And the fact that this will change over time and it has changed and knowing who I was then and the transition to how uh, who I am now um, is a really, really big part of self-love for me. And I think that's what's always kind of made me feel content with any decision that I've made or any situation I've put myself in that feels scary is just being so aware of who I am as a person, but then aligning that with, um, you know, intention and action. And, you know, if I know myself so well that I know what motivates me, uh, I know when I need to rest, I know what I need Um, at certain times to make myself feel loved and cared for. I know when I need to tell myself, you know, I'm being lazy and I need to kick it into action and I'm making excuses for myself. Um, And only by really knowing who I am and really focusing on that self-awareness, do I feel like I have trust in um, making those decisions for myself as well. And I think for me, 
Um, one of the easiest ways that I do this, and this can be a little tip for anyone that um, wants to do it, but one of the easiest ways that I sort of check in for myself um, to see where I'm sitting is when I'm in the car alone sometimes, and it sounds ridiculous. I'm telling you to talk to yourself, but um, I'll sit there and I'll go, hey, Bronte, how are you doing at the moment? And it's so funny because you recognize that like when you ask that or like when other people ask me that, I always say, so good, really busy, works amazing, how are you? But when you're in a car alone and you say that to yourself, you realize how quickly you just are absolutely raw, honest with you. And it may not even realize, like I may not realize that I'm feeling a little bit drained, but then I'll sit in a car and I'll go, hey, Bronte, how are you doing at the moment? And it automatically I go, yeah, I'm good. I actually feel a little bit out of energy this week, but um, I'm really excited with the, you know, this that's coming up. And I just will chat to myself. And through that, I have so many moments of realization of where I'm actually at at the time and how I'm actually feeling. And then I follow that up with actions that, uh, you know, what I need from that conversation. I often wonder, as I'm hearing you say that, I, I've, I've started really practicing this, interviewing myself, asking myself questions. And I'm always curious, if I'm asking the questions, who's answering? And if I'm answering, who's the person that's actually asking the question? I mean, who are we? Who, what's going on in here when we're talking to ourselves? And I really love what you're saying, because the more I do it, the more honest I am, rather than, as you say, as, as you mentioned, just throwing away, you know, I'm really good, life's busy, things are. But when you have a real intimate, connected conversation with self, you actually get to really hear yourself as well. And I think that is the ultimate act of self-love. And I'm really, really excited that you shared that. And I, I just want to hear you. Your energy is amazing. I'm so proud of you and so honored that we have you here on the coast. Uh, if people wanted to follow you, beautiful Bronte, or if they did want to get a, and become a part of your digital marketing agency and perhaps even learn more, perhaps you could share with us the platforms they can find you. Absolutely. So um, my website is dashacademy.com.au and then on Instagram, I am dashacademy.dom. So you can find me there. Uh, LinkedIn as Bronte Creswell and then Facebook as well. And if there was a final message to this beautiful listener and just knowing that we have a beautiful range of ages and different people at different stages in their life, if you could give them a little bit of advice, appreciating that this is the self-love podcast, knowing how you've hit the depths of despair and burnout and come through and created incredible, amazing branding and marketing and businesses and all the things that you've done. What would your advice be to this beautiful listener? And perhaps you could finish with your favorite quote right now. Amazing. Um, I would see, say to be really excited for the future and the next steps that are waiting for you, no matter where you are at the moment, if it's somewhere that feels incredibly aligned with who you are and you're loving it or you're in one of those spaces that you're feeling a little bit lost or you're somewhere that you know you don't want to be is just being so overwhelmingly excited for the fact that you've got a whole future sitting there and all the incredible things that are going to be in that. And that's really what gets me through when I'm feeling a little bit like unaligned in a moment or unsure of um, anything that I'm feeling. I really just focus on, I know how incredible every next step is going to be. And it does make me feel really just centered and aligned with my life in general. So that ties in really well with uh, the quote that I have chosen, which is you're right where you're meant to be. And that's something that I tell myself all the time. And as I said, it does make me feel really grounded. I just think in the moment, no matter what I'm feeling, where I'm at, 
um, how that moment looks to the outside. I am right where I'm meant to be. And that definitely makes me feel like I can take a breath and embrace that moment a little bit more. Oh, you beautiful soul. Truly such magical, profound words. I'm in awe of you. I love your energy. I'm so delighted that gorgeous Jeanette connected us. And I'm so proud to share you with the beautiful self-love podcast listener. Thank you so much, beautiful Bronte, for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's been yeah, incredible. I really, really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.